I am so excited about today's episode because you are going to hear from an educator who is actually not a literacy teacher. You're going to be hearing from a school counselor today, and I cannot wait to dive into our topic. Our guest today is Rachel Davis, and she is the school counselor and the curriculum designer behind Bright Futures Counseling. With nearly a decade of experience, a highly rated school counseling podcast, and an engaged online community, Rachel is passionate about helping school counselors increase their impact and advocate for their role. She resides in Costa Rica, and when she's not working on her business, you can find her at the beach playing with her adorable family. And I have personally grown very close to Rachel. I just completely love the work that she gets to do, and I am so honored to have her on the Literacy Dive podcast talking about a topic that is so near and dear, which is SEL. Now, for those of you who do not know what SEL stands for, it is Social Emotional Learning. And she is an expert in this field with being a school counselor. We are going to be diving into ways that you can be able to support your students when it comes to SEL, and she is sharing actionable tips and strategies that you'll be able to implement as soon as tomorrow. If you were teaching during the pandemic, you will know that SEL quickly became a hot topic and just a really, really important area that classroom teachers really needed to start focusing on within their virtual classrooms and then when returning back to their normal setting of the classroom in the school building. So if you are ready to dive into all things SEL, Rachel and I will meet you inside. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome to the Literacy Dive podcast. I'm so excited for today. And as you heard in our intro, we do have a special guest today. And so before we dive into this topic, Rachel, it's so great to have you on. Would you just briefly share a little bit about yourself for our listeners in case they are meeting you for the first time? Yes. So my name is Rachel. I'm a former school counselor and current curriculum designer. I have a business called Bright Features Counseling. So I was a school counselor at public schools in Southern California. Before that, I did some educational consulting work and was a counselor for um, adults with developmental disabilities. So kind of a array of experiences. But yeah, school counseling, totally my passion. And then most recently, I worked as the school counselor at an international school in Costa Rica. So in California, it was at the elementary level and the Costa Rican was actually K-12 because it was a smaller private school. And yeah, I still currently reside here in Costa Rica because once you move, it's kind of hard to move back. (laughs) But I I now have two young children, so I'm no longer working at the school at this time, but I'm serving school counselors. I have a blog and a podcast for school counselors and a membership as well. I just love all of the things that you do within the counseling world. And I just love, one, being able to connect with you because you're just amazing, but just being able to support counselors to this degree that you do has just been so fascinating and like just amazing to me. So I'm so happy to have you on. 
And we're going to be talking about a topic that is just very prevalent and like prominent going on right now. But I know that it's not necessarily on the, well, with my audience on the state standards as something that you have to teach, but it still is something that is just so important for students. And so we're going to be talking about LCL, thinking about like what it even is, why it's so important, how to even implement different parts of it, how we can be able to do that targeted practice with it. So at any rate, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so if you are just a little bit curious or just understanding that like this is something that teachers should be responsible for as well, we're going to hopefully give you some really good actionable strategies and tips that you can take away and go and implement into your classroom. So just kind of kicking it off, can you just kind of start with like a blanket definition of what SEL is? Yes. So the acronym SEL stands for social emotional learning. So it's basically not academic. It's all of the social piece. So those are like social skills, such as empathy, friendship skills, conflict resolution, basically everything we need to do to function as humans. And I think a lot of adults could actually benefit from these lessons too. In the past, it was more, you're probably thinking like character education was kind of what we were calling things. But now the social emotional piece really focuses on like the whole child and the mental health aspect. And just goes a lot deeper than just like learn these character traits. As school counselors, we implement where our job is in three tiers. So we have tier one school class lessons. So we're going into classrooms. Hopefully, if you have a counselor, they're doing this. <laughs> I always tell people this and they're like, that's not what's happening. In my school. <laughs> but ideally, if the counselor is going in to do classroom lessons, teaching SEL lessons, then they do small groups and individual counseling. But like I said, unfortunately, not all schools even have a counselor. If they do have a counselor, maybe their you know caseload is so high they are not coming into your classrooms to do that push in. And so it's either not getting done at all or the responsibility kind of falls on the teacher who we know is already super busy. So I cannot wait to share some tips with your audience on how they can like integrate SEL into their daily routines, small things they can do without adding like a bunch of work to your already busy schedule. Well, I love those words, like not adding a lot of work, because I think that what (laughs) we've been learning is that there are so many different just really quick things that we can implement. And it really does not take any prep or it doesn't really even take that much time, but it can have such a big impact. And so something really interesting when you were mentioning about different schools and what the counselor, what that what the tiers look like is that I've actually worked in schools where there was no counselor. And so really, if we had friendship issues or if we had, you know, divorced, you know, students that had divorced parents or if they went through trauma or loss, things like that, you know, we're just kind of like twiddling our thumbs, like, what do we do? And so I think this is so important because this is something, like you said, that even adults can benefit from. And so once I kind of started learning more about it and trying to implement pieces of it with what I could do on my own, I did realize that I could remember that whenever I was going through stuff on my own. But yes, two of my schools had no school counselor. And so I'm just really out here reaching for a lot of schools that don't have counselors. Like this is your opportunity to really do some great, great, great work within your students just to be able to set them up to being equipped with knowing how to regulate their emotions and how to regulate just the way that it is walking through this world, which is hard. So definitely. And I think a big piece of this is it's preventative and proactive. So that's Mm -hmm. why. I love tier one because it's like preventative. We're giving it to all kiddos and we're giving them the skills. I always tell kids like, I'm trying to put myself out of a job. If I can teach you everything in the class setting, then you don't need to come to me for a small group or individual session. I mean, that's just a joke. Obviously, kids have higher needs, you know, but 
I just love that idea for teachers. Like if you put in these like five minutes here, 10 minutes here, I think it will ultimately make your job easier because as you know, it's all about the whole child. So if you focus on the emotional piece and kind of get that figured out with kiddos, then I feel like you're going to see improvements in their academics, improvements in their behaviors and all of that. Your classroom management hopefully will get a little easier as a result of these kids having these foundations. I love when you said like, you know, hearing the five minutes and the 10 minutes, it makes my heart so happy because I feel like it doesn't matter really, honestly, what grade you teach in elementary, especially maybe in high school, it gets a little different with minute to minute. But I know that we were given a roster and you had all kinds of pockets of five minutes here, 15 minutes there, 10 minutes here, where I consider it just to be like dead time. And so if you could be able to take those little minutes or change things around where you can have a nicer chunk and actually do something intentional and impactful, like an SEL lesson or something that can actually help develop the whole child, that I feel like is just going to, like you said, enhance and just make everything in your world so much better. So whether a teacher has a school counselor that is on site, very active, whether they have a part-time for whatever that looks like, maybe that's only pull out for individual or whether it's a teacher like I was where we had no school counselor to support us. What can a teacher do? How would, what would this look like for a teacher to be able to implement these different SEL components on their own with their students? So I want to say just start small because we want to make it seem totally doable, right? So the first thing that comes to mind is like a morning meeting, which I know a lot of teachers are probably already doing some kind of morning meeting, but just adding like a social emotional piece to it. So I always recommend a feelings check. So a feelings check, you can just sit in a circle, get a talking piece, make it fun. So get something that your kiddos kind of resonate with or thinks funny. It could be like a stuffed animal or a little talking stick or something to pass around. And the rules are, you know, whoever's holding that is who's allowed to be talking and everyone else is listening. And you can model first as the teacher and just model saying how you're feeling and why. So today I'm feeling happy and I do little things and I always try to be honest. So like, oh, today I'm feeling happy because I have my favorite leftovers for lunch or, you know, it can be something small or my sister was in town or, you know, I always find myself defaulting when I do the example to happy, which I'm usually like a pretty cheery person. But I try to be real with the kids and share like, actually, today I'm feeling kind of bummed because this happened before work. Or by doing that, you're giving them permission to not that all feelings are okay. All feelings are welcome. It doesn't have to be a you know a happy thing all the time. But make sure you model it. A lot of times, depending on the grade level or developmental level of the students, I'll write it out on the board as like a sentence structure for fill in the blank, you know? So today I'm feeling blank because blank. And you can also do visual aids. So I have a freebie I can give you a link to for like some feelings check posters. And it just shows different faces and body language. So the kids can, you know, identify, oh, I'm that one. Or you could do like a scale of one to 10. Or if your school is doing like zones of regulation, you could do a color, you know, which color are you feeling? So you can kind of modify it to fit your class needs. But I find after you do this a few times, the kids love it and they get the hang of it. And they're like, oh, I want to do feelings check first. Can I go first? But they're just saying how they're feeling and why. And you always want to start, you know, with a different student, make sure everybody has time, but just something real quick. And that's just a great way to like break down any barriers or walls in your class. And I don't know, even if kids are like having a conflict among each other, obviously not all your students are best friends, but it's just a cool way for them to empathize with their classmates. I I love this. And this is obviously, it's such an easy implementation. I think it's also a really beneficial one because you do want to be able to gauge and know like where your students are. But I really love the modeling piece because you're right. As teachers, I feel like we have to put on 
a brave face and a happy face all the time. And we have to shield our emotions when you get that text message that's just completely heartbreaking or awful, but you pull it together because of your students. And I think that if they can see the human nature in you that like, this happens even to my happy peppy teacher, then it does give them, like you said, the permission to feel those ways. Or if we're just not having a good day, that is, you know, that that's a way that we do feel sometimes. And so the sentence stem support is so great because I think that planting that language for them is going to be key in having that transfer to where they can be able to do this outside of your morning meeting time. But we will definitely link to those posters in the show notes because that is a great way just to have it hanging by your whole group area, maybe have it on, you could print it many and have it in your small group area if you have to do like a check-in. But I think this is just such a key implementation that you can literally start tomorrow. And I think your students will love it. And like you said, they're anxious to share. But I think that too, it's going to create this community where it's like we're a family and we're going to support each other. And I really can foresee students opening up about hard things, about frustrations, about sad things. Mm -hmm. And that's just going to make everyone vulnerable in a great way. So I love that idea. Thank you. And aside from the bonding piece, it does two more things. One for the teacher, it gives you a heads up of like what's going on with your students. So that way you can kind of have grace with them that day or meet them where they're at. So if a student shares something, they might share something during the circle time that they wouldn't have just walked up and been like, hey, guess what happened this morning? Or I'm feeling bummed because this happened last night. So it kind of gives you as the teacher like a way to check in on where everyone's at that day, which may you know explain why they're exhibiting certain behaviors or why they're doing certain things. And then the other thing it does is it really develops a language around emotions and feelings. So that emotional recognition piece, which is huge. So when a student is having a behavior challenge or something, you can have them identify how they're feeling in that moment. So by morning time being like a calm space where we're doing it, then if someone's in a heated space later that day, hopefully they can go back to their poster or go back, you know, and they'll know words for feelings, if that makes sense. They'll be able to name and identify how they're feeling. No, it does make sense. And I think this is so key. It just, this is just a way of being and growing and existing. But what I do love about what you just said with like planting those different feelings and going through different words is like that can transfer and that can enhance like a piece of writing even where it's like, instead of just saying happy, you know, they can be like, I was ecstatic. I was overjoyed or I was frustrated. I was disappointed. And I think that you could also give them that language based on what they're saying. But with thinking about this, It just popped into my head. So I know that I can foresee a lot of students, they love like holding their hands and like, I want to share, I want to share. And we definitely do, you know, you want to popcorn around, but what are some strategies or things to do if there are, you know, one student or a group of students who like never want to share or never want to take part in this moment? Are there any things that teachers can be able to do to support those students? Yes. So I like to do, they at least have to give like a number. So they don't have to, so ideally they're saying, this is how I'm feeling and why. Or they can just like point at the visual, but on like at least give a number on like on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? So that way we're like kind of mandating some participation. I love that. Yeah, but on their level. And of course, if the one student week after week is never, you know, never wanting to share, then you can kind of pull them aside and talk about the purpose behind why we do this and encourage them to. But in my experience, honestly, which... I have only done it at the class level with that many students a few times. I'm usually doing this in small group setting. But in my experience, the kids really like to share, honestly. The only other thing I was thinking, and you might be able to answer to this, is it does take a little time. Like if you do have like 30 kiddos, if you have a really large class size, 
maybe you're doing like alternate days or you may have to get a little creative with it, you know, or like a morning check-in, midday check-in, or you might not have time to get to everyone, understandably. That makes sense. I love prioritizing share time, but we all know that like within, you know, what I'm doing with reading and writing, it's like, oh, there's no way we can listen to 24 to 36 kids if the schools yeah. sign waivers for more students to be on your roster. There's just no way to hear from them all. So definitely being able to use a go around cup. And then maybe if you see someone that, you know, I love using like go around cups or equity sticks because it allows every student to get a turn before. But what you could do is just say like, I'm going to pull two or three people, have them share. But if you do notice that there is a student who never shares and they want to share, you can make that exception, allow that student to share just to kind of build that up. But I mean, similar to you, I can just foresee once they learn how this works and learn the language and learn the safety around it, I can definitely see them benefiting by wanting to share. And that's just going to make just it a lot easier for you to get a a gauge and a pulse of like what's happening and knowing which students to follow up on, whether it's at recess um, where it's like, hey, let's just take a walk around the track and talk or whether it's like lunch, like, hey, you know what, today, can you come have lunch with me? I think all of those little things are just so special that can also allow you to have that follow-up time. But I love, the, I love the, the system of being able to target those students. And I love the no opt-out because that's something too, where it's like, you don't have to speak, but where, you know, for this, it's, it is a no opt-out. So you can give me a number and you can be able to build up that goal maybe to speaking. That's good. Yes. And the other thing I was thinking of was that you had mentioned with the writing, saying how using different words to describe their emotions instead of just happy. These could be like good substitutes. You could, if you're like, I don't even have time for a morning meeting, I'm already like stretched too thin, try to integrate it into what you're already doing. So if you are doing literacy, how can you write about emotions or feelings or some kind of journaling exercise? I know you were on my podcast talking about journaling. So kind of doing the inverse, like bringing the counseling into your existing activities, or, I mean, you would have to get creative, but you could even do this with, you know, science, math, social studies, just always kind of bringing it back to that, like whole child piece and like. I mean, there's, we have emotions and feelings about everything, right? So I feel like you could try to tie it in, in your existing curriculum as well. Oh, that made my, I wish you all could see my face. As soon as she said that, I was like, oh, my heart is smiling. That is so key. Yeah. Because if you don't have the time, that's just a great way too to get them writing. And as we know, you know, writing is not always a big composition. That can be a sentence. It can be a word. It can be a phrase. And so you could just switch it up and give everybody a sticky note, let them write how they're feeling or let them write a cause of a feeling. And then you can be able to review those really quickly while your students are transitioning or whatever that looks like. But that's a great way to get that the writing skills in too. So love it. Love it. Love <laughs> I it. I will say the share piece is super important. So even because I know some teachers will have like a anonymous check-in kind of thing, like a clothespins, you know, to check in on emotions. And that's really helpful is letting the teacher know what's up. But the share piece is nice because it creates that like trust and vulnerability within the class community. That's true. And I guess actually speaking about like, what is, you know, what am I feeling and why am I feeling it? Because I think that's the hardest, even as adults, it's like, I know I'm feeling something, but I can't even verbalize it. And Mm -hmm. so being able to allow them to speak about it, I think does open it up with saying like, oh, it's okay that I feel this way, especially if they know they're not going to stay in it. But exactly. Writing Made Simple is a writing membership that helps you engage your students in quick writing opportunities, and I have a gift for you. Maybe you have seen these writing routines on social media or heard it mentioned in a previous episode, but really just need to give it a try before you officially join in the writing fun. I totally get it. 
So I want to give you access to my step-by-step writing routine for free. This routine focuses on procedural writing and the use of transition words. You will get the animated slides, the lesson plan, exemplars, the printable templates, and the video walkthroughs for this routine. Head to theliteracydive.com step-by-step to grab your free writing routine. So with thinking about, like you mentioned, within SEL, within the social emotional learning, there's the friendship and there's, you know, how to be the, you know, just how to be a kind friend and how to be respectful and all of these different umbrellas underneath it. So how would a teacher like know what lesson ideas to come up with or what to cover? Would they, you know, do they look at what's happening in their classroom? Is there like a certain... I don't know, like SEL bubble that they can follow. What would be the best way for teachers who are like, okay, I want to try this, but like, how do I figure out what to even teach on? What does that look like? Yeah, so I have a few ideas with you. And I wanted to say before that, timing wise, like, so I gave you the morning meeting suggestion, but then as far as like a topic type lesson, like a friendship, social skills, anger management, something like that, I, as a counselor, am going into classes once a month. So if you could just find once a month time to do it, which I feel like is doable. You either you start your month that way or do a mid-month check-in or whatever, just like once a month, like a 15-minute lesson, that would be so big. If you can do it once a week, even better. And then, of course, you're sprinkling it in throughout the curriculum and these conversations. But so just to empower your listeners, like once a month, you've got this. That is so doable. Oh, my goodness. Because I was going to ask, I was thinking like, what would this look like, you know, for teachers to do? But like once a month is definitely doable. And I guess you could even think about maybe the first of the month or the very end of the month just to kind of keep you on track. But that's so doable. And then like even thinking like if you could do it weekly, if your schedule allows for it, it's even better. But like once a month is doable. Yes. And if you even like made it fun enough with games and got enough like student buy-in, you could do like indoor recess with like a SEL twist. Yes. I love it. So I honestly, I say get creative with it and have fun because the more like jammed on it you are, then the students are going to see that and will be more receptive to it. So a few things to keep in mind. One, yeah, definitely customize it for your classroom. So as a counselor, I have like uh, set lessons each month, but then I always do like as needed lessons. So for example, I've had a teacher before whose class, I don't remember the website this years ago, but it was almost like chat roulette or something. They were all into this like kind of sketchy online thing. So she's like, I need a cyber safety lesson ASAP. So I was like, okay. So I did like a cyber safety lesson for them. Or another one, there were these kids and we had some second graders who were playing soccer at recess and were just like always fighting. And she's like, I need a sportsmanship lesson ASAP. And that was like something that's not typically in my rotation. So look at problems you're having as a way to be, or problems you foresee having, I guess, as a way to be preventative and proactive. But in addition to that, I'm kind of a cheese ball. I like to make mine go with like themes. So I know we're wrapping up January, but January, I love to do goal setting. So you can do like smart goal setting, any kind of like growth mindset type lesson. I love to do cooperation in January as well, because I feel like that's, you know, we're all getting back together after the break. Or if you have little ones, like it's always a good time as a following directions reminder kind of lesson. It's good. And then as we're coming up on February, I like to think about like Valentine's Day and I like theme all of my stuff. Um, So you can do that or not. But (laughs) like uh, healthy versus unhealthy relationships is a big one. I love to do that at like upper elementary or middle school. I had a really powerful lesson when I was actually interning. Uh, The counselor did 
And it was just crazy. The school, most of the kids were modeled like really unhealthy relationships, like what they thought was like a normal relationship between adults, like between their parents or mom and boyfriend or whatever was like really unhealthy. So having just examples and just discussing like qualities of healthy relationships was huge. Like it was just things I assumed everyone knew, you know, like be honest, like, you know, don't be physical, like, you know, don't hurt each other, stuff like that. But they, that's all they knew. So that was really eye opening. And then for the little guys, you could do friendships. So around Valentine's, I always like to do, you know, friendship lessons, uh, qualities of a good friend, things like that. And then those are kind of like within the seasons. But also, if you think about like whenever your school does testing, that's a good time to do like stress busters, test anxiety. You can do like an anxiety lesson to go over these strategies if you know you're coming up on a testing month. And then just, you know, health in general. So talking about like, the mental health piece of um, like getting enough sleep and like healthy diet and all of those things when it goes along with test taking as well. Oh my goodness. I, so I, I can imagine that people are either driving to work or taking a walk or like they're listening right now. And they're just like, I mean, this is exciting because yeah. these are the things that students are dealing with day in and day out that might just be like, I just want to teach my content and like kids are fighting and they don't know how to do these things. Or like you said, being not only like preventative, but also being proactive. And so thinking about what's currently happening that you can assist students with, but also what are some things, what are some tools that you can provide students with and and teach them on so that you can hopefully prevent any of these things from happening. So I love that you have themes because I'm I'm already thinking like, okay, there might be a teacher that's like, yep, I'm bought into it, but like, I don't know what to do. And so therefore it's not going to happen. So the themes, I think, make it really great because it's going to be relevant. It's a great way that you can tie it in and like make that connection. Because I know a lot of my students, especially in fourth grade, fifth grade, were like, you know, I need you to explain to me why I'm doing this or I'm not going to do it, <laughs> you know? So just knowing that like you could already have it tied into, well, we're going into this, you know, we have Valentine's Day and this is a great time to talk about this, the goal setting. And that honestly can be at the start of every month and a reflection at every month too. And then I love the test anxiety, like the the anxiety around test taking. I might need you back on for an episode. Yeah. yeah. Listeners, because that is the world. So we will definitely schedule that. So come back and listen to this episode. Because it's so it's so real to the point where I've had students who, you know, vomit and physically get sick mm-hmm. because of the the stress that's coming from the test or from parents or whatever it looks like. Mm-hmm. So I just love this. And I've experienced and I've seen a lot that you create. And so if you can provide some links, we'll have some in the show notes for, you know, some that can be applicable to the next, you know, this month, January, but also February, March, just to kind of get you set up for success. If you would like to do something like this, but just don't know where to start, we can have some lessons that you can be able to check out and see if they can work for you. Yes, that would be awesome. Thank you. So I have, so those are like themes in general when planning. So just think of what, you know, resonates with you, what your class will get with. But then of course, some that I, you can't go wrong with are like self-regulation, like emotional recognition, self-control, anger management, anxiety. I mean, I think we all students are kind of, you know, going through those things. So self-regulation and self-control are big ones. That was just always my top referrer that I would get. So if we can kind of combat it, you know, preventatively beforehand at the classroom level, then that's huge. And that's something that almost thinking about like the upper elementary world with like spiral review or honestly any teacher just spiraling it. So we could almost have some of those key like SEL type topics, you know, like you said, like regulation and like knowing how to like control anger 
that you could just spiral and make sure that you keep it at the forefront just because that is one that, you know, a lot of students are going to need assistance with. Yes. And I think, especially if you did that, you know, quarterly or whatever, you'll see your students. It's so cool just to watch them turn and like start to use that language and say like, I'm feeling this way or I need this to identify how they're feeling and what they need is huge. So hopefully you putting in this little effort here and there will be like a tenfold reward and that you'll notice your class is like behaviors have gone down and that everyone's cooperating more and that your kids are happier. And ideally, that's what would happen. I love this. So I think our big takeaway here is that, you know, we can see now the importance of it. I'm even thinking, you know, for your own selves, you can see the importance of these lessons too, um, just to be able to take these on and use some of these strategies with personal things that you yourself might be going through. So this is definitely something that if we can start teaching this to students as young as the ones that you teach are, imagine what that's going to look like when they get to be our age or when they get to high school. Oh my goodness. Like, you know, that you are literally can change the world with just starting with implementing SEL into your classrooms. This is so key. And I just love how it's all actionable. It it doesn't take a lot to do, but I think you're really going to enjoy seeing and reaping the benefits of what can happen with your students talking about it. So I love this. Yes. Is there anything else that you could think of to leave our audience with when it comes to just this whole idea about social emotional learning? Yeah, I just had a few engagement ideas. Yes. So instead of just, well, I I do all of them. So I have, I used to just do PowerPoint, straight up simple PowerPoint. I'm up there just like, what is empathy? And we're chatting, but the kids will just start chatting. And so it's mainly just a slide deck for me to like know what to say next, but we're just having a conversation. So you could go as simple as that. Like that's probably like the least barrier to entry if you want to get started today, just, or you can have little flashcards or just kind of a prompt for you to, you know, facilitate the conversation. Or you could get as creative and engaging as you want to. Like some teachers, you know, there's different types. I always say there's like the teachers and counselors who were just like showing up with their laptop last minute, or some people are like printed and prepped and laminated everything for a week. So regardless of what type you are, you can totally do this. Yes. But if you are looking to get really creative with it, I love to use like scoot games and escape rooms and even game shows. So I don't know if your audience is familiar with all those, but Scoot Games, you basically have little cards like set up around the room and then the students have an answer page with them like on a clipboard. And I like to play fun music and they have like a few seconds at each card to read it and then to respond. So a lot of times I do example based ones. So like, is this an example of empathy? And then it's like, Kiara is crying and Jason asked her what's wrong or whatever. And then they just circle yes or no. It's like real fast. And then when you all get back together as a whole class, then you can, you know, discuss it. Why did you answer this? How is this showing empathy? Things like that. Or this could be a time for them to choose what they prefer, like no right or wrong answer, but just which strategy would you like to use if you were in the situation, you know, like to calm down? Would you rather like go for a run or listen to music? Would you rather go to a calm down corner or talk to an adult? Would you rather journal or dance? You know, like give them by doing this fun little exercise, they're getting like a toolkit of all these potential coping strategies that they could use. I love it. Yeah. And then escape rooms, kind of self-explanatory, but basically kids have to solve little puzzles. You kind of like breakout groups and they kind of move around the room, kind of like centers to solve different puzzles, ultimately answering a question. So this is good if you're trying to teach like a versus kind of thing. So like a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset or like expected versus unexpected behaviors. I always do this for like a meet the counselor thing too. So anything like that. 
And then game shows, love a good game show. I have a template I bought online and it's basically like Jeopardy. So you could just make like a little Jeopardy game. So it gets kind of competitive. The kids get into it. I mean, you could do a prize if you wanted to, but you have two teams and you're trying to learn more about a topic. So, you know, again, this could be like coping skills or self-regulation strategies or, you know, qualities of a good friend. You can get as creative or as simple as you want with all of these things. These are really great. And I think that like the engagement piece is key. And I love each of these because these, if you have done scoot games before, if you have done escape rooms, if you have done Jeopardy, then this is a great way to embed SEL within what you're already doing. But if you've not done these three examples of engagement strategies, imagine what would happen if you have your students at your desk and you're like, we're about to play Jeopardy. They are going to go wild And it's really cool that they can be able to explore and ask questions in a really, really safe environment, whether it's the scoot or whether it's the Jeopardy or whether it's, you know, whatever type of engagement strategy you're doing. I love the planning the language because some students are not going to know, oh, when I'm feeling angry, I can go take a walk. Oh, I can breathe five times. Oh, I can go and grab, you know, the sandpaper and just touch it for a tactile. Like they're not going to just think, of ways to calm down. All they know is that right now I am very angry and they may not know what to do to calm down. So I really like those choices because it allows them to just store up like their SEL bank where where they can be able to learn how to do it. The whole thing is teaching them these in like, like I said earlier, like the calm moment, right? So it's like fun and we're just learning them. But then because whenever you're in crisis, you know, whenever you are having a meltdown, that's not the time to learn something new. That's the time to say like, oh, I already know these things that I've learned. You know, I've been going over these every month. We've been talking about these. Now I can pull from them. So I think teaching it in that like proactive piece rather than when the kid is already in a crisis moment and you're like, oh, you need to take deep breaths. And they don't even know what that looks like because they haven't practiced. They haven't modeled when they're not in crisis. Right. So this is, I mean, this is so beneficial. And I, if I just know that right now, everyone's like, I am ready to get this started. And like you said, start small. You do not have to go and make a Jeopardy game and a Scoot game. And, you know, just all of these things right now, you can start with just embedding it to morning meeting or taking five minutes of your day and teaching a coping strategy or talking, just having open dialogue about Mm -hmm. a certain feeling or planting the language, using a sentence strip or just writing on the board a sentence frame and letting students have the opportunity to turn and talk and practice sharing it aloud or maybe calling on one to one to three to share it in front of the whole group. So there are definitely just some really, really great takeaways. And I would say too, start small and then you can be able to work up according to what your students are ready for. Yes. Oh, thank you, Rachel, so much. Um, everything she mentioned will be in the show notes so that you can just be able to find whatever was mentioned here, but also if you cannot find something or if you have something specific, Rachel is just amazing to reach out to. So if people are wondering where they can learn more, where they're they're really bought into this whole idea, they want to be able to follow, find you, ask you questions, just go on and rattle out how they can be able to find you because you are just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things counseling. Thank you. Yes. So Instagram is probably the easiest place to find me at Bright Futures Counseling. I also have a TPT store and a blog under the same name. I have a podcast called School Counseling Simplified, where every Tuesday I share strategies. So they're for counselors, but a lot of it, you know, teachers could totally implement. So if you want to check out a few episodes, that's every Tuesday. And then I have a membership for school counselors called Impact as well. 
that's where you can start. And then I can always direct you to what you need. Yes. I was going to say Instagram is amazing for that. And then also if you are at a school where you do have a school counselor, you know, I just love sharing is caring. And so I just loved being in environments where, you know, if I knew that there was our ESL teacher or the counselor, a guidance counselor, there might be a dual language. If you find someone, you can just point them and connect them to a new resource. And so if you are at a school where you do have counselors, people that come in, guidance, whatever that looks like, definitely just connect them and let this be a resource for those who are in your building who are impacting your students. So if you try any of these strategies, if you try any of these ideas, be sure to take photos, take video, share what you're doing on Instagram, tag Rachel, tag me, tag whoever, just send a DM sharing your glows and your grows. We just love it. And also, if you found this beneficial, go ahead and share this episode with a friend as well. But thank you, Rachel. This was just amazing. I definitely want to have you back on to just give us some more strategies where I know it can affect us in a positive way. Yes, I love talking about this. So thank you so much. Thanks to your listeners. And yeah, we'll chat soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at The Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.